I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash. So on Monday, Julia Roberts faked her own death falling off a boat for good reasons. And today, Ashley Judd's husband uses the same cunning oops, I've gone overboard conceit, but for bad reasons, mainly collecting his own life insurance and letting his wife sit in jail for his murder. From 1999, it's double jeopardy. I didn't kill my husband. Libby Parsons is in prison for a crime she didn't commit. I'd like you to adopt my son. Money won't be a problem. It isn't about money. Thank you. Hi, Mommy. Hello, sweetie pie. Daddy. Nick? You ever hear something called double jeopardy? The state says you already killed your husband. They can't convict you of it a second time. That means that when you leave here, you can kill him. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. It makes you feel warm and tingly all over, don't it? We'll have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. Well, let's consider all the possibilities. Maybe a band of pirates or aliens. Did aliens murder your husband? No, aliens weren't beneficiaries in your husband's life insurance. The prosecution rests. Booyah. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton because it could have been pirates. Though. That's the silly thing. <laughs> I'm Chris Tilly. Sorry. How are you? Excellent. Good. Yeah, great. Excellent. Yeah. Good stuff. It could have been pirates. That's the thing. She's like pirates, mm. and it's like, well, yeah, maybe pirates. She really, but she's good in that moment because I'm like, oh, I hate you. She's like, aliens? We're at a- no, because aliens don't have anything to do with your husband like you do because you murdered him for money. I wish she said booyah at the end. <laughs> booyah. Just dropped her book. <laughs> I'm out. Oh, right then. Uh, very quickly, if, have you subscribed to us? Have you? No? Why not? I say this every week. Uh, if you'd like to, that would be great. You can do that on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And also on some of those uh, platforms. 
platforms. Yeah, I'm going to say platforms. Uh, you can leave us a rating and indeed a review. And if you leave us a review, it may get read out on the show by Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly, which sounds a bit like this. I did have a review. A review was good to go, but I think I'm pushing it to next week, Alex, because uh, wow. a long-time listener emailed us with an important clarification yesterday. So I think I'm going to read that out instead. That's fine. That's I'm good. You are reading that today, though, because I don't think I could wait a week to hear this. She writes, <laughs> Your Indiana Jones episodes were epic. I learned so much. Thank you very much. I thought I should clarify that I was indeed a child, seven years old, <laughs> when I encountered that man in the antique shop before the screening of Last Crusade. But I, I honestly had not laughed that hard in a while listening to your reactions when Vicky asked if I had sex with him. I know, I, know, I just I spoke without thinking. That's all. That is from Marion. Uh, so well done, Vicky. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They do like reruns and stuff. So like... possibly just hedge your bets on, you know. <laughs> Always do the worst uh, case scenario, which is that they're a child. Yes, yeah. in case it's a seven-year-old. Yeah. Always just... err on the side of caution. Next time I will. So thanks for that, Marion. It was very funny. Cheers, Marion. <laughs> uh, lovely stuff. Uh, right then. So back to this week, uh, Sleeping with the Enemy versus Double Jeopardy. These were my choices, as I established on Monday. A lot of similarities between these films, uh, but mainly I've had them go up against each other because I hadn't seen either. So filling in my movie blanks this week while having a nostalgia-free fight. This is one of those weeks where I'm watching both movies for the first Ooh. time, so I'm, I have no preordained... It's intriguing. Um, it is. It is watching movies that everyone has an opinion on from watching them back in the day through, <laughs> I was going to say adult eyes, my eyes. Uh, so on Monday, Chris practised his rage face. And today, Vicky's explaining how she could shoot us in the middle of Mardi Gras and they can't <laughs> touch her. V takes on a journey. Dr. Richard Kimball and just the accused of murdering his wife is pursued by seasoned US Marshal Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> You've got to, haven't you? All right, hang on. Lovely mum, Libby Parsons. She doesn't have a job as far as I can tell and actually I'm not sure she's up to much as a mum. Referring to her son as kiddo so often, I was pretty sure she'd forgotten his name. Plus she kind of doesn't recognise him at least a couple of times. Anyway, Libby is framed for her husband's murder by her actual husband and has to serve just six years, during which time she learns inaccurately, but who cares? about the double jeopardy rule if you've already been found guilty of murdering the bastard now you can go and totally murder the bastard so she does a few push-ups in the rain turns detective and is then pursued by seasoned corrections officer Tommy Lee Jones finding her husband now a Louisiana hotelier Jonathan Devereaux and not Nicholas Parsons presenter of Radio 4's Just A Minute he tries to make amends by sealing her in a coffin in a crypt with a corpse but she legs it because she's very resourceful for reasons that are never made clear with Tommy Lee Jones now on side, the duo confront the evil husband and record a confession to her murder that would literally never stand up in court, but I suppose it would in the courts of this film, and then she does murder him anyway, even though she could have just had him sent to prison for real-life fraud and attempted murder. Libby is finally reunited with her son, who, phew, she does recognise this time, and hugs him and doesn't say, sorry about killing your dad for no reason, but, wait for it, he was dead to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Myself for that. That's good. There was one that just that, that, that took me 30 seconds. I was like, I should edit it. No, it's great. Mm. Anyway, uh, right. So, with Sleeping with the Enemy, it was something I saw at school once. With this, it's something I saw at college once. And that's my story. What's yours? Never seen it. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot you said that. Chris. Yeah, saw it probably at uni or just after on video once. Yeah. 
That's me too. So, okay, great, great stories, guys, great content. So, let's just get into the background. Now, I've got I've got stuff to say, but for the amount of time I spent researching fucking double jeopardy, yeah. there's not much that I can tell you about. Oh, and then in development, this happened and whatever. I've got a few bits and bobs, but it's remarkable how little there is. So, please forgive me. Um, it was written by Douglas Cook and David Weisberg of The Rock, but with an uncredited polish by Robert Benton. It finds its way. That's my that's my way of saying I don't know what happened. It found its way <laughs> to Bruce Beresford, who's done tons of stuff, but obviously um, driving Miss Daisy, which some of you may know from the hilarious skit in Stay Tuned. Um, he said, I didn't have much interest in the idea initially, but then I thought it was quite an interesting thriller script and I'd never done anything like it before, so I thought it might be fun. Now, I think, Bruce, of the interviews I've read with Bruce Beresford this week, he seems like a, a fun guy, like chilled out, nice person. There is a behind-the-scenes VHS that I watched of Double Jeopardy. What a fucking waste of time that is. It's got such pearls of wisdom from Bruce Beresford as what the secret is to really bring the characters to life is just to cast the right actors. (laughs) (laughs) What a gem that is. Um, Have you got the Jodie Foster quote? So I've got two, right? So after, Mm. apparently, Michelle Pfeiffer, Meg Ryan and Brooke Shields all turned down the role of Libby Parsons... It's Jodie Foster. Two stories here. So one story is Bruce Beresford meets with her and this, I'm quoting, she said to me, we were having not an argument, we had different points of view. And she said, we'll have to do it my way, I'm afraid. And I said, why, Jodie? And she said, because I'm so intelligent. I'm such an intelligent person that there's no point in disagreeing with me because I'm always right. I thought she was joking, but she wasn't. <laughs> she had this extraordinary opinion of her own IQ, which, and then I tried to back that up somewhere else. And all I could find was him saying, oh, she was pregnant, so she was out. So I couldn't find anywhere else that backed up this idea that she was a bit highfalutin. And she's P.S. Jodie fucking Foster. Yeah. So don't come for her like that, Bruce Beresford. And also, word for word, you've said that exact thing to me before. What, that I'm... <laughs> I'm so intelligent. I'm such an intelligent person. There's no point disagreeing with me because I'm always right. And then you fired me from your movie and put Ashley Judd in it. Yep. <laughs> I think I would learn. Um, I did read an interview. Uh, the interview was saying to Ashley Judd, apparently Ashley Judd's agent... Uh, Leonard Goldberg said that the minute it was news that Jodie Foster was out, her Ashley Judd's agent was like, you're getting this and just like campaigned quite hard for her to get the role. But that was uncorroborated by Ashley Judd. She shuts that down in that interview. She's like, I have nothing to do with that side of the business kind of thing. Um, So then on to Bruce Greenwood, who plays Nicholas Parsons. (laughs) Here's a fun fact. He was in the TV movie Naomi and Winona, Love Can Build a Bridge as Larry Strickland, who is Ashley Judd's real-life stepdad. Did you know that? Oh. So I didn't know. I don't know much about country music. I recognise Winona Judd. I didn't know who Naomi... I didn't know that their mom, that was a thing. Um, Bruce Greenwood said to an interviewer, quote, the weird thing was that when I was doing the screen test with Ashley, I was hoping she'd see me as her lover. And she said, you played my father. Whatever pheromones I was generating, which is a weird thing. Actors are weird sometimes. They totally evaporated. So he was generating (laughs) some smell and then that went away. Um, Tommy Lee Jones doing his fugitive thing. I couldn't find out who else was in the role. So I presume, let's just say it was always him. Um, Yeah, of course. They've literally gone. That was good. (laughs) The guy who's who's done this twice before. Yeah. And the only thing I could find out a bit more about, which I do think I remember, is the trailer. So Bruce Beresford hated the trailer. Uh, He's saying, Mm -hmm. I was trying to keep the audience in suspense. Everything I was concerned that they didn't know was given away in the trailer. When I complained, someone at the studio said, audiences don't like going to films unless they know what's happened. So I thought, bugger it. What does it matter? (laughs) (laughs) Which is lovely. Um, 
he seems very surprised by how popular it turned out to be. Uh, he said, but it didn't surprise the studio. They told me early on it was going to be very popular. Um, someone said to him, do you think it might be more commercial than some of your other films? He said, I hope so, because it costs so much money. <laughs> it's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, it's a great idea, the double jeopardy thing. It's such a shame that it turns out to be absolute bullshit. So hands up, let's be honest, who thought it was real at the time? Yeah, me, me 100%. Totally. And I didn't really yeah. think it was not real until Double Jeopardy itself was overturned. No, I thought it was real, but I also didn't understand how it could be real. Yeah. That you could go up to someone in the street and, and shoot them. And an amazing loophole, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. The, the, the actual thing is you can't... You, double Jeopardy exists and you can't be tried yes. for the same crime twice. Yeah. But that crime is very specific like to how that crime happened. So she could not be charged for stabbing her husband on that boat at and him time, going yeah. overboard at that time again. Mm-hmm. But... If she did go up to him in the middle of Mardi Gras and shoot him, that's a separate crime, yeah. which you can very much be tried for. <laughs> yeah. So I, un- I understand that it's it was harmful when new evidence came to like someone's been found innocent, mm. but then new evidence proves they're guilty, but they've already been tried. So, so that was the problem. So does that mean you can just make laws up and, and write films around them? I wonder. Because we could have a blast doing that. Yeah. But well, it, it worked because a lot of people, and we're not the only people that were like, well, that sounds right. Like, that must be a thing that yeah. you can do that. We were like, oh, okay, the massive loophole. This was, what, Great. 1999 as well? Yeah. The internet was in its infancy. I mean, this time I just went straight on Google and went, it's double jeopardy true. Yeah. But back then I'd have gone, I guess so, because it's a movie. When have yeah. movies lied to me? <laughs> so this is the last big movie, really, of David Weisberg and Douglas Cook, who obviously we know from The Rock. Mm-hmm. So they wrote the original draft for The Rock. Yeah. I did find a story for you about Sahara about because I couldn't find anything about Double Jeopardy about a meeting they had with mm. Clive Custler where he didn't like what they'd done on the pitch for the for Sahara. Mm. So he put his fingers in his ears and hummed until they stopped speaking. Clive Custler did. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yes, that's like... Uh, uh, Sahara is still... I've told you before and I'll say it one more time because you brought it up. I didn't bring it up, mm-hmm. but genuinely... It what ups- a journey to the screen that film has got. It upsets me still to this day that we did not get any more Sahara movies. But, but that Custler story is like when a friend of mine asked uh, Harrison Ford if he could say anything about the new Star Wars movie and Harrison Ford just pretended to go to sleep for the rest of the interview. Cool. Yeah, I, I just don't think that's cool. No, it's just, not. It's not. It's a dick move. You just say no. And the only other thing I found out <laughs> no, is, I, look, I mean, it was a bad interview and I hold my hands up. Maybe <laughs> I came in too strong. Maybe it was me, but... It wasn't. You know, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, as every other interview ever has proved with other people, just specifically that day. I do have a fact. Uh, do you, have you got this about it being one of the most watched films on Netflix? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, there was loads of stuff about this only recently. Yeah. yeah. It's just doing the business on Netflix, and I, you know, I kind of get that. I do too. <laughs> this is so. This yeah. is why. This is the other reason I didn't mention it, but this is partially why I picked this pairing because I was like, it's Sunday, a little bit of a hangover, yeah. and I want something that will interest me that is of a certain pace that is going to be exactly the right hangover movie, and this sprang to mind. Yeah, this it's, was the movie. It's a perfect hangover film. It's a doesn't hangover doesn't movie. demand too much. Uh, but it's obvious, to, you know, there was in the 90s, there's a lot, well, there's a lot of like action and thrillers that I, well, I like in particular, but that you like mm. as well, that fit into this mould for me in a like way. The Fugitive in US Marshals. <laughs> <laughs> no, The Net, The Hand That Rocks Cradle, yes. Basic Instinct, even Ghost to mm. a point. Um, there was a good time for me. Yeah. And um, the only other thing is uh, Tommy Lee Jones was paid more than Ashley Judd for this. He got 10 million for appearing in the film and is listed. If you, and I checked it because mm. I looked at the poster. Yeah, yeah. His name appears uh, above hers, mm. which yeah. is insane. Mm. When it's like literally, it's like the wrong movie to do that on. Yeah, that's a good point. So that's all I have. Cool, cool. 
All right, so let's get into this. Um, Libby Parsons, she has a charmed life. Well, a... can we go back one thing? Because did did it not make you feel sick? What the titles were doing? Who thought that was a oh, good God. idea? Oh God! I know. I was like, my, some of them are fucking glasses. <laughs> I was like, I'm Horrible. feeling nauseous. Splitting into double. Yeah, I was but like, seeing double. Oh. Ugh. Yeah, hated it. Dub- double. Yeah. I mean, I get why they did it. Mm. So Libby's got a big house by the sea. She's got a cute kid. She's got a charming husband. And importantly, he's got a limitless supply of martinis. <gasps> just real. So the cute kid, he's just left Arlington Road, that kid. Mm. Is this where he was taken to? <gasps> Is it the same child? It's the same kid, How yeah. the fuck did I not notice The that? kid from Unbreakable. Yeah. Fuck, I didn't notice. So I just realised. I don't recognise him. I'm slagging her And Arlington Road was just before this. Yeah. So that's where he went to. This is a this shared is, universe. This is his auntie. Shared yeah. universe. Arlington Road, double jeopardy. <laughs> Brilliant. Lovely stuff. So importantly, um, Nicholas Parsons buys Libby a bolt because she likes sailing. I'm going to yeah. laugh every time you say Nicholas Parsons. It's really funny. That's why. It is. It is. Um, do they do they not fact check stuff like that? Do they not have to? They should, they should do. Maybe Google wasn't up and running back then. Also, really? I don't think they'd care, would they? Like yeah. he's some national treasure, old dude in the UK. They don't care. We're a big market for them. Okay. We're a big market. And well, we, it gets we a chuckle, it doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. He introduces. Does he introduce his son's school teacher as utterly ravishing? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you can do that anymore. Well, I hope not. No. <laughs> no. Uh, deeply inappropriate. Um, anyway, so she's got the boat. But wait, on that boat. It's not all champagne and sexy time because no. now there's blood everywhere, even on the cheese board, which really upset me. I bet that upset you, but I bet you were quite entertained by the fact she's dressed as one of the All Saints. <laughs> she's, <laughs> literally, she's got cargo pants and cropped off a mandana on, and she's driving that boat. I'm pure, like, it's pure shells, man. Pure shells. <laughs> pure <laughs> There is some great fashion in here because we, we bypassed him wearing a knitted jumper tucked in under a suit. Um, I think that tells oh, yeah. you he's a villain. Well, she's in knitwear at the start because I made that. And I was like, oh, they're making her real seem really wholesome because yeah. she's wearing knitwear, sitting on some rocks, fishing yeah. with her son. But then he's in knitwear as well. I'm like, geez, don't wear knitwear under us. Choose a lane. <laughs> <laughs> knitwear. So um, now your husband is missing, even though he's a very strong man. Let me die. Libby's charged with murder because she picks up the knife like an idiot. Why do people do that? Why? Why? Time and time again. Yeah. There's one trope that I want rid of. It's like. There's a bloody knife surrounded by blood. My husband's missing. I'll probably pick that up because that's a boat I can hear. So <laughs> I will be holding it when they get here. You might want to use it to defend yourself from whoever's killing people on your boat. I just wonder. Someone's if she... got a lot of enemies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she takes up smoking again. That comes in handy later. So you get a bit of a pass for that. And I did. I mean, the stagger of the information. I think the courtroom reveal of the call, the call that Nick makes to the Coast Guard saying, I've been stabbed. I thought that was good. Like they wait a while to reveal that. And it is quite fast paced at the beginning. So it's, I think it's good to get that information then. Because also a courtroom scene, is that the most interesting thing? We kind of know she's going to be found like guilty. So we could have just sipped through that. But good place to use that information. And also the speech by the prosecution when it's like, could it be pirates? Mm. But yeah. I also feel like there's a hole here because he must have drugged her. Yeah. But if he's drugged her, then they'll find evidence of, you know, she will say I've been drugged and there'll be evidence of it in her system. Mm. Um, unless the sex was that good. It, it knocked her out so hard that he was able to do all that around her. There's yeah, a, but there's also the idea that if you're, if you've got the time to leave a message saying you've been stabbed, you'll probably say 
by who, or at least describe yeah. the person who stabbed you. He just sort of goes, I want a boat, this is my name. He's not trying very hard in that I've message. Been stabbed. This is the worst acting he does in the film, is on that <laughs> message, maybe on purpose. But is he on purpose trying not to say it's her? I wonder. Well, yeah, because he she will be released at some point and she doesn't want him to come and find her. So he hopes that all the evidence is going to add up, but he doesn't want to be the one. Because he says at the end, the idea, you know, the idea was that you wouldn't get done for it. And you're not, he sells a lot of lies in that speech. Yeah. But I feel like because he doesn't say it's her in that phone call, he is actually trying to ensure that she, that there might be some grey area there. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of it. You're right. Which makes him not quite as much of a baddie. As bad. Yeah. As he... Was. It is good, though, what you said at the start in the intro in your synopsis, uh, when the cop comes to um, handcuff her on the beach. And she, I, I remember watching and going, fucking learn your kid's name. I know. Because she goes, not in front of my kid. It's like, kid. now if you've got two kids, fine. <laughs> not in front of my kids, because you don't want to have to name both of them, but yeah. not in front of my singular kid. <laughs> that's how, that's how it like, works. That's how it works in America. If you're rich and you're white, you can be arrested wherever you want. You just you just say to them, no, not here. We'll do it down the road. We'll do it there. We'll do it at the country club, please. It's unbelievable. I know. I just thought if you were the son, you'd be like, do you not know my name then? Like, I mean, anyway. But she's not, she's not smelling a rat even when she's reminded that her husband took her to buy life insurance policies four months previous yes I feel like that's when you start putting two and two together like well why was so adamant we do that then <laughs> yeah. the, the, time, the timing seems a bit off here so she ends up in prison but she's just fucking hard as nails straight away so she mm. tells some scary women to get away from me um, so she's probably going to be fine um, but until her child disappears and she tracks him down and it turns out he lives with his daddy who's not dead but instead of calling her lawyer she calls the insurance company which seems like a mistake I thought it was a strange moment when she asked her friend to adopt her boy yes and it's it's undone in about five minutes because the friend's like really what about your mum and dad she's like I wouldn't put him through it and then she goes to her mum's house who gives her loads of money and she's like thanks mum bye and yeah. it's like that looks the fine mom, the mum thing's odd yeah. Um, that she suddenly appears and disappears. But like, she's not going away for that long. You you said that in your introduction. I mean, if she's done that murder in that way, which is what she's been found and guilty of. not guilty. So yes, she's been not guilty. For that. Six years. It's fuck all. <laughs> I mean, there's a really lot of blood. Weird. There's a lot of blood. Yeah. Although she's doing three on parole, but that's only nine. And so, and she, and crucially, she pled not guilty. So if you plead guilty, you do half, you do two thirds or whatever it is. If you plead not guilty and you maintain your innocence throughout your, your stay, you do, I think you do pretty much all of it. So it can't just be nine years for killing someone on a boat. And also, I was waiting for her to escape prison at this point. I, I was like, surely there's a prison breakout moment or the bus overturns. Mm. Like, <laughs> I don't know, the fugitive. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, I just sort of her doing six years in prison and the passage of time thing really doesn't work as well. It goes, you really want to feel that there needs to be a bit of mundanity, like you see her doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And well, just... what they do do is she grows her hair a bit, so mm. time has passed. Um, and she seems to have learnt like a bit of sass. So all the characters that are women of colour, all they do is service her narratives. They're like, it's your son's birthday, so happy birthday to whatever his fucking name is. And they're all criminals. And they're all criminals in this film. Yeah. So there's all white people in Sleeping with the Enemy and the only people that aren't white here are criminals. They're yeah. in prison and or they've just got out of prison. And you never find out anything about them apart from they're resourceful, they like a cigarette, um, and they're and, they, and they've got opposition. Uh, they've got exposition in their head, yeah. which is going to be really useful for her. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, from one of these friends who was a lawyer but now is an actual murderer, uh, Libby finds out about double jeopardy. So her friend advises her: do your time, then go and murder him. 
kind of um, makes you feel all warm and tingly, doesn't it? <laughs> she's very good. She mm. does deserve more. So because um, Libby's hair is a bit long and she's learned a bit of sass at the hairdressers, she's like, oh, I can't make you look like this or <laughs> whatever. Um, six years have passed. Uh, which does it doesn't look like six years have passed at all, but there we go. No, because I, I, you know, she starts working out. There's sheer hate driving her. We get kind of a, you know, a working out montage. I really then want her to look like Linda Hamilton in Terminator Two when she leaves prison. Yeah, but she looks exactly the same <laughs> apart from a different haircut. Like, yeah. they're setting up that she's gonna come out like hard. Yeah, yeah, mm. true. Ripped. Which also is curious because then she's out on parole and we meet Tommy Lee Jones and he's seen it all before, but he's like, I'm going to have trouble with you, Parsons. It's like, based on what? (laughs) He's he's a no-nonsense guy, isn't he? (laughs) Yep. I mean, it's really awkward. I love him in this, but he is a dick to women who are vulnerable women. And that's the problem. They do, because the second half of the movie... Like he he does by the end he's managed to undo mm. what this film does to his character at the start, yeah. which is yes. make him Horrendous. almost irredeemable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's on a massive power trip, mm. shaming people, exposing people, embarrassing people. Oh, that embarrassing where he people. goes and and he threatens to yeah, out yeah, her for uh, her fellatio. <laughs> yeah, that's that's terrible. Uh, and he, so the, we're setting up. He's got a little bit of a sad backstory. He got done for drink driving, so his wife took his kid. Um, yeah, why is he a law professor? Why is that important? It's just so he can confirm double jeopardy at the end. Yeah, guess, everyone, yeah. everyone's a former lawyer in this, isn't it? That's like women in prison and him. Yeah. We'll cut one of them. Oh, just stick them both in no, the short and running time. Yep, yep. Um, we're going to talk about breaking parole, but let's have a short break first. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Join me, Jaguar, the host of BBC Introducing Dance on Radio 1 for my brand new podcast, Utopia Talks. It's a reactive platform to discuss issues that my generation care about in dance music culture and the wider world. I'll be talking to some of the biggest names in dance music, including people like Heidi. The lineups do not need to be 99% male-driven. Mm. There's all these interesting new producers and women that are coming through, you know, all sorts. Yeah. It's like women are speaking out now. And the sensational Bless Madonna. I feel like literally my entire life has led up to this. This is the first event we've had like this, not just in the UK, but really in the Western Hemisphere. And to be able to be here with all of these people who are so happy is just absolutely the biggest, highest joy of my life. As well as having the meaty conversations I often have with friends that I'd love you to join in with. 
There's so much new energy coming out of the pandemic and there's so many like new nights and festivals yeah. and everyone's really pushing for this new structure where people genuinely don't feel anxious mm-hmm. about coming to a club night because of the way they look or the way they dress. It's more about everyone in. To me, Utopia is a perfect moment. It's togetherness, it's the future. I want to live in a more inclusive, equal world and I hope this podcast will build a community and help create change. Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to get your podcasts. New episodes dropping every Wednesday. Welcome to Utopia Talks. Utopia Talks is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. I have a question. Go on. Is it like, is it, I've never, I mean, I, I was meant to look it up. So this is me going, I didn't look it up. Is that much power given to the guy in charge of uh, whatever those places are called, a parole house? A I mean, parole. you've got, so you'd have your halfway house. Mm. If you break the conditions of your parole, you do go back to prison. That's a fact. But so I that don't whole know if thing of no month. drinking, no drugs, curfew at 8.30. Yeah. Mm. I mean, to me, that's, that is that is worse than being in prison because you're in San Francisco, which is a fun city, and you're not allowed to <laughs> drink, take out. drugs, and you have to be home at 8.30. Yeah, there are very stringent conditions, which if you break them, so that's a problem with prison overcrowding, that people end up back in prison for ostensibly something as mild as they got pissed basically uh, it's a real issue uh, but I don't know if it's one man's decision and also I don't think it would be one man hopefully it wouldn't be one man in an office in a house full of women who's like I'm the man and I decide kind of thing I yeah. don't, but I don't know um, anyway we're establishing he will haul your ass back to jail no fucking problem this is important she ignores him immediately breaks the term of her release by doing the worst breaking and entering you've ever seen in your life she goes to the school where she knows that her friend's address will be to find her son, pleads with the head teacher to give her that information, and then when she won't give it to her, just instantly breaks in. And it's like, who did you think they would turns, think did it? Turns the light on, leaves the drawer open. Leaves it, takes the file, reads the file in the room. Yeah. You found what you came for, mm. now leave. Tries to outrun a car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she successfully outruns a car. She does. <laughs> no, they catch her though, mm. don't they? But for a while, she outruns a car. For a bit, yeah, she does. Yeah. So rightly so. Um, Do you not think they should have spent a bit more time with her sneaking around trying to get this information while obeying the rules of the curfew and, oh, nearly and showing getting, it couldn't be done, nearly getting caught, and then uh, you know, but ultimately well, her, she has to then make the big decision to go fuck this curfew. I have a bit of it. Like there's the exciting scene where she says, "Someone <laughs> said I should try the internet." <laughs> Does your friend have email? <laughs> it's just it's just that dialogue that's so dated. Forever, yeah. well. I love the idea that she's like, "Oh, I need to check with my parole officer," and he's like, "Oh, I don't want to have sex with you then." But <laughs> it just goes on for about twenty five years. She, like she doesn't understand. Also, she doesn't really know much about the internet or if her friend has email. So what's the timeline here? The six years is it? Was it? Did she go to prison six years before nineteen ninety nine? Good point. Or did it start? And th- and that's six years in the future. I guess she had to go to prison six years before 1999. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, yes, because the internet that they're using in the library is pretty. It's 1999 stuff. internet. Yeah. 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 Um. So rightly so. Tommy Lee Jones. One of my favorite bits just calls her a fucking idiot, which I mm-hmm. really enjoyed. As he is hauling her ass back to prison. I did write down at this point that I really did want her to get. Nick, Nicholas Parsons, <laughs> yeah. at this point. I was very invested in her finding him and taking her revenge on him. Yeah, well, because it's awful what he did, but also he's he's very good smug bastard as well. Bruce 100%, yeah. I think, I think I read somewhere it was going to be Greg Kinnear before mm-hmm. Bruce Greenwood, and I get those two a bit muddled up sometimes. Yeah. They, they're good at doing smug bastard, the pair of them. I mean, I will say about the terrible breaking that she does, 
This is setting up the fact very early on in the film that everything she does, uh, Libby does, in an attempt to find him and escape from Tommy Lee Jones, find Bruce and escape from Tommy Lee Jones, she does none of it with subtlety. This is just the beginning. Smashing a window with a fist and leaving a drawer open <laughs> and running across some sand dunes away from a vehicle uh, is just the beginning. Because everything after this, she's like, fuck it. I'm not going to sneak around. I'm going to drive a car through a phone box. Yeah, and also I'm going to drive a car off a ferry, but I'm handcuffed to that car. So what's the end game there? <laughs> um, yeah. If you're interested, the car in the water stuff, uh, this is the level of detail I could find out from the behind the scenes on the VHS. Apparently it's very complicated to do that, said Bruce Beresford. He had to storyboard it six months ahead of time and it was in several locations, actually. This feels like the the prison escape we never got. It's like there has mm. to be one big escape moment and this is it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I think it looks good. I mean, they, they, they make such a fuss about nothing had ever been done like this before with the car. And it's like, that's not true. But the shot of them swimming up through the, from the car together, when she bonks him on the head, that's all good. It's 1999. That could look a lot worse. For, uh, yeah, I, I do completely agree. Yeah. Um, so Libby gets some cash for her mum. This, this is the mum who was too much of a nightmare to adopt Matty, even though she seems really lovely mm. and helps her daughter escape without asking too many questions. Mm-hmm. So we're into like a cat and mouse thing. I just forgot because, you know, at the start you said that he'd actually, he didn't want her to go to prison. He'd try to find a way. Nick had... Yes. Potentially, yeah. I'm just trying to figure it out. But then he kills Angie, doesn't he? He does, yeah. So he is a bad one. Which I would think is a shame, actually, because you've got this best friend who you love so much that you trust with the care of your child. Weird decision. A little, yeah, but I kind of get it. No, weird decision to not have her... Con- yeah, no, have the showdown. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's the real villain of the piece, Angie. Mm-hmm. She's not the real villain. She's in She's in the villain mix, she's, definitely. <laughs> she, stole, she stole another woman's child. And she, her money. I she think, was gifted a child. I think that's a worse. I think it's worse. But then she ran off with the child. So yeah. I think that's really bad. It's a really dark thing to do to someone stealing, that you've been pretending to be friends another, with. Yeah, because he he got a put to, he got his ex wife put in he got his wife put in prison and then he got he went off with his son. Yeah, that woman stole another person's child. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a shame we don't get to see the two Angie's women. the real villain here. That's what I said. So, yeah. <laughs> I think so. That's what I said. Although he didn't kill Angie, it was an accident. Yeah, it wasn't. And, but I will say that, uh, you know, we talk about the whammo theory where every 10 pages of your script, you need a whammo moment. This, I think, may be the ultimate whammo moment film. Every 10 pages, yeah. something massive happens. Do you think? I do, yeah. What's massive? Falling is? off the fr- ferry. Yeah, that's yeah, good. The ferry seems really good. Uh, yeah, the breakout. Uh, oh, no, that's, that's the ferry. That's the fugitive. <laughs> I, think, I think the next whammo is the, the charity sunriser, uh, fundraiser where she walks out and says, hello, Nick. Uh, <laughs> the next whammo is where there's the car chase. You need the big car chase where he finds her in the art gallery. Yeah, I don't know. It just sort of washed off me a little bit. I just remember every time I started to get bored, something big happened. Like he puts her in a fucking coffin with a corpse. I mean, that's mad. That's so good. But Mm. it's absolutely crackers. Yeah. And also, what the hell is Nick doing? So I'm I'm literally, I've killed, well, I've killed myself. And so I should probably lay low by by going into the hotel business and being front of house and being at charity events. I'm going to be on stage. You can buy me. I'm talking like Daniel Craig in Knives Out. (laughs) Um, But then, like you say, he then tries to justify his actions to her. He never believed they would convict her. Which I did buy for a yes, second, so but then I. she doesn't buy it. So then I'm back with her. But at first, he's so charming and that his, you think, oh, okay. And he says that him and Angie didn't get together until after it happened. And he says the worst part was being away from you. Perfect. Yeah, I liked it. But she's like, <laughs> fuck you. Where's my child? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
he does. It's it's weird. I think the most telling thing is just before they actually have that chat where even as she's walking towards stage and up on stage and standing next to him, his biggest concern is still saving face oh, in yeah. front of his guests. That's the best bit. Mm. When she gets up to claim her prize, which is him, and she goes to kiss him and then he's like, ha ha, and then doesn't kiss him. And his face mm. is so good. Um, I love that bit. It's weird how much I like that bit. I really like Nick. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, do, I, do. I really like him. He's got some style. <laughs> also, why? Because we talked about this in Sleeping with the Enemy. She is using her smart. She's on the run. She's living off grid, even though she doesn't really know how to use the grid and stuff like that. Why has she not changed her hair or done her makeup or anything? Like a standard of the genre, the cat and mouse. You go to a petrol station, you dye your hair with box dye, you do something else, get changed, then you leave the petrol station and you're a completely different person. But she's just the same looking person and she's meant to be on the run. And I just, I mean, yeah. you know how much I like a makeover. I, I think that's, this is where this film is just half-arsing it. Because why is she on a plane? If you're a murderer who's yeah. broken their parole, you're probably on a flight list and she, you can't she, just get on a plane to New Orleans. Well, Bruce Burroughs, he did say he wanted that taken out because he said it's impro- there's quite a lot of improbable stuff along mm. with the double jeopardy. And he was like, she would go on the bus, mm. um, but the, the uh, Paramount didn't want it because Tommy Lee Jones would get on a plane and then he'd get to where she was going before her. So it's no good. <laughs> so that's why it's on there. She gives herself a makeover. Did you like her buying that Armani dress on someone else's tab? I mean, I guess. Would you do that? Would I do it if I could? <laughs> Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think the woman yeah, she steals yeah. from is, you were supposed to believe she has so much so money. So much money, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't it, steal. It wouldn't touch the sides. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, but have you been to New Orleans? No. Have you been to no. New Orleans? No. Oh my God, it's amazing. I would love to go. But we should go. Okay. I had a cocktail there which had a plastic shark sticking out of it. <laughs> Best drink I had. <laughs> And they also, I, they what also, was in the drink? You don't know. Just to be like, I oh, can sort of in it. I can put, <laughs> it's got a plastic shark. I can put, but it had like blood in it, like plastic. grenadine or something. That I'll made put it a plastic. Like blood. I'll yeah. put a plastic shark in your pint next pint week. Pint of Carlin, and uh, then you'd be happy, wouldn't you? Yeah, I went to my first Margaritaville as well in New Orleans. Oh, nice. yeah. <laughs> How was it? It's amazing because you are never the most drunk person in New Orleans. <laughs> so. It's Jimmy Buffett, isn't it, Margaritaville? <laughs> Is it? Yeah, yeah. It's after a song and it's kind of his chain, I think. Oh, yeah, great yeah. fun. Yeah. It sounds brilliant. Yeah, um, it is. But I didn't meet any barkeepers as uh, saintly as the one in this who goes, let me help you out. Oh, yeah. It's a weird moment. It's a weird moment because he's kind of saying, you're one of us now, so we'll help you against... And it's like she's not earned that in any way. Mm. I assume it's because she's a pretty lady, but then that makes him a bit of a dick, so... Well, he does sort of that. say there's no reward and that's why I'm doing it, which immediately makes you go... So if there was a reward for yeah. turning her in, this would be a very different situation. Yeah, I don't. There's nothing. She hasn't done anything for him that makes. Yeah, makes me buy that. Um, but huh, this is where it gets brilliant. So she meets Nick in a cemetery, mm. and the fucker always seems to be in a coffin, which I couldn't, which I'd forgotten. And then yeah. when she turns and there's a corpse, that yep. just blew my head off. I blanked that out. I think. I mean, it's just it's just a bit rubbish, isn't it? I don't know. I, I mean, think that the the, the 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 locking someone in a coffin trope. It's been done a lot of films, you know, Kill Bill, Buried. There's another one I mentioned here because it's a big twist at the end. And this is by far the worst I've seen it done. Yeah. It's just, it, it's hard. It's Nick half-arsing it here, it's isn't it? because he puts his, her fucking bag in with her with everything she needs to get out of the coffin. He's like, I'll put her in there. Then I'll put her rucksack, which I'm not going to check. It's got a gun <laughs> in. She can shoot out of the hinges. <laughs> yeah. What an idiot. Uh, but yeah, she, remember she took up smoking. That's to explain why she's got her lighter. Oh, yeah. Which also... I mean, she must have done it for real, but I, it's it's not a fancy lighter. It's one of those cheapo, like mm. five for a pound lighters. Those things get really hot when you're holding the flame on for that long. 
She actually just said, I, it's hard, isn't it? Because it was written as a transcript. So maybe when she said it in the interview, she didn't sound as whingy. But she says, I cried all day in that coffin, which is fair enough. Okay. But there was something about lying there. Yeah. And I absorbed the fact that the movie was coming to an end and I didn't have any conscious thoughts of mortality. My girls, as I called the women, first mistake, who worked on the set doing wardrobe and makeup, that we were very close on the film and no one was there for lunch that day. And my feelings were hurt and I cried all that day. And it's just, that's Strange hard. Isn't it? It's a really weird quote. I wonder if I'd seen her say it. I'd be like, oh yeah, that's cool to get that. But when you read it, it's like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Best um, moment in the film, though, you skipped over, which is where Tommy Lee Jones is chasing her in the rain and she's got an umbrella. And it's it's literally Zucker Brothers level of slapstick because he yeah. runs into every pedestrian. Yeah. It's like Frank Drebin like, at the end of <laughs> Naked Gun. Yeah. It's literally like he bashes into all of them and then chucks them violently out of the way like it's their fault. <laughs> um, so sort of wrapping things up a bit once she's got out of the coffin, uh, Tommy Lee Jones believes her. So he goes to confront Nick and asks him for a million dollars for his silence in the plot that he's uncovered, which I think is tricky because he's recording the confession and is that not entrapment a bit? But I, also, I think I'd like to have seen Nick, uh, sorry, uh, Travis teaming up with Libby for a bit longer. Yes. Working together because once they become a team, it's like we in some of these, other, like in The Fugitive, we never got to really see yeah. that. So you've got an opportunity here when he believes her and he's, he knows he's lost his job. Bang! Let them let them go at this together. Yes, that's but true. it just all happens so fast. Suddenly they're in a room, and then it's all over. And they haven't done. He hasn't done much sleuthing, which no. I know he's not a detective, but sure. he's in the same sort of paradigm yeah, yeah. for us as, a, as a, an audience. All he does is show up where she was five minutes after and say, "Have you seen this woman?" And yeah. then he goes to find her, but he doesn't piece anything together no. that isn't right in front of him. The, the worst bit is the art gallery thing. Like, yeah. oh god! And why is everybody's personal information on the old internet? Like, I don't think it was like that. Anyway, yeah, it, that is frustrating. So they try to set Nick up for murder, mm. but they could literally do him for attempted murder because he did try to murder her. Um, but whatever, then she fucking kills him anyway. Um, yeah. And then, mm. then Tommy Lee Jones goes, well, the hotel will be yours now. And she I don't goes, think so. She goes, I just want my son. It's like, <laughs> right, but you can have both. <laughs> And she's like, no, I just want my son. It's like, this This looks like quite a successful business. And New Orleans <laughs> yeah. is lovely. I don't want it. I just want my son. Okay, fine. I'll keep it. I'll have the hotel. Yeah. Did, did this ending feel a bit too abrupt, though, in that office? Like, I feel like the ending of both these movies is abrupt. But with this one, I found it less satisfying than Sleeping with the Enemy. Ending. Because you don't, want, you don't want Nick killed. Like, a bigger punishment for someone who's lived the good life, who has fancy yeah. art on his walls, who runs a hotel, is to go to prison and have none of that. I think yeah. you're right. That's what you want to I see I think happen. you're right. Her him, killing him is, like, the wrong wrong decision. Him getting handcuffs on and being humiliated yep. and cr- cr- losing his shit and crying or something like that. You want to see him broken down. You're right. Mm. Rather than get the bullets to the chest. Yeah, that's I, that's actually how I thought it ended. Oh, that's why I was so surprised when mm. she kills him. I felt the same. Because she's saying it. She's like, we've got all this and we've got the yeah. body and we've got whatever. So you're going to prison for a Outsmart very long time. Outsmart him in the way that he outsmarted you initially. Of course. So she goes to the school to meet her son. This is a moment that I just wish we'd see more of, as in in this moment, because it's a whisper and she can't hear it. But also it comes to me, it comes out of nowhere. So when she's getting out of the car, she says to Travis, Tommy Lee Jones, you saved my life. And then she shuts the door, basically, and he's like, and you saved mine. And it's like, what? Where does that come from? Because he has stopped drinking over the oh. course of chasing her. And we know this for one scene and one scene alone, where um, Nicholas goes, 
you want to drink something like you probably want to drink when they're at the auction? And he goes, no, just a Diet Coke. And he goes, oh, are you sure you can have anything? He's like, just a Diet Coke. And mm. you're like, we're supposed to think, he stopped drinking. Okay. Uh, but it's weak. Yeah, because the thrill of the chase is so fantastic. That, yeah. yeah. It's like it's like Libby needs to go on the run again to keep him entertained and keep him <laughs> keep off the booze. So he's still drinking earlier in the film. Yeah, the start he is. Yeah, because yeah. you see him yes. sitting in that bar alone and pouring whiskey into his coffee and what. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay. And Ashley Judd's son, Matty, he, he explains that he thought his mum was dead um, and he seems fine that she's turned up and that's great. Because you, you'd want him to say, turn to the nearest kid next to him on that pitch and go, just tell me if you can see her as well. <laughs> oh, is that a ghost? <laughs> I mean, telling him that she is dead, I wish that she knew that. I don't feel like that we knew that. I think Matty no, thought she was in prison for, well, they won't tell him what for, mm. But saying to a child that your mum is dead when she's looking for you is super cruel. So I wish that she knew that to sort of add fuel to I mean, her rage. Well, can you we, keep that lie going when she's not dead? I guess they've been hiding I her. Yeah. Because I mean, that, that teacher knows it. That teacher knows her and is teaching You have to kid. accept that that kid is going to be fucked up. Because basically, the, fine, the timeline goes, uh, dad dies, turns out mum killed dad, dad gets together with mum's best friend, mum's best friend is blown up, mum kills yeah. dad again. He probably loved Angie because he probably loved Angie like a mum. Yeah. And bear in mind, he's just, he, lost, he lost Jeff Bridges not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, Hope, and Hope Davis. He's had, a rough, he's had a rough few years. That poor child. <laughs> um, that's it. We're out. We're done. Great. Happy? Yeah. Good. Content. Uh, what's your best scene then, Alex? Uh, it's probably, quite hard, isn't it? It is a yeah. little bit. I've got three. I've got three. That's why I'm going to pick based on what you guys have Okay. Done. It all sort of meshes into one, but I, I've been wanting to see Tommy Lee Jones catch her and then her escape. So I guess the scene on the ferry yeah. where the cars go overboard. That's mine. Excellent. That's one of mine. Done. Uh, okay. A cheese board murder. <laughs> because uh, seeing blood on a, a, cheese board. a soft... French cheese mm. I found deeply disturbing mm. and you know it's quite fun when she goes out on the boat and there's the fog and the knife and the look on her face and my husband's gone and she sounds like a bit of an idiot so yeah that's it right Chris what okay, about you I think it's probably for me then when and I think this was a big trailer moment as well for this film that's what I remember is when uh, the kid says daddy and she realises What's going on? Oh right? yeah, that is a good moment. That is good. Very effective. Yeah. That's probably going to be mine because because you watch the trailer because <laughs> the trailer gives it all away annoyingly. But that moment you're like, oh, oh my god, because yeah. you don't know watching the trailer what's going to happen. Yeah, that's good. Uh, your most valuable whatever then, Chris? I'm going the same as the last film. I'm going for the villain. I'm going for Bruce Greenwood. Um, he's so smug in this film. Um, I really want to see him get his comeuppance, and that's why I'm annoyed. It doesn't quite happen how I want it, but he's a terrific villain. So Greenwood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll just like on countdown again, I'll just show you my, my working out. Yeah, Bruce Greenwood. I can Because confirm. he's yep. really good at being a self serving narcissist, <laughs> is what I went for. Mm-hmm. We can we can spot our own. <laughs> oh, so- very good. <laughs> Alex looked at me when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> um Tommy Lee Jones, weirdly. Because Why? I just so <laughs> Watch the Fugitive or US Marshal. <laughs> he's done this before, but better. He's, but he's so good at it. When you read the reviews for this, some of the reviews are really cruel, but some, even the cruel ones, pretty much everyone loves Ashley Judd in this film. 
and thinks that she elevates it. And it's, you know, it is her story, but there's something missing for me. And so if it's going to be this two-hander, and it is egregious, it's terrible that he got top billing over her. That is piss poor. But weirdly, and even though he's a fucking arsehole to most of the women he meets, every time he's on screen, the way he is, because of the fugitive and US Marshals, you just want more of him. Like he's a, he's just a more, real star in that way. different, sort of like that character, but in a different film. And more sort With of... maybe Harrison Ford. Yeah, to be yeah. more kindly, maybe. And he's, yeah, he's seen it all before, but he hasn't lost his humanity, I guess. So I, yeah. just, I just would not have expected you know, to, to pick a guy who walks into a office and shames a woman into giving him information. She's, she's not saying the character. Yeah, she's yeah, that's talking fair. about his, his performance, his magnetism, his charisma. Okay, no, he's, you always he's, get that confused. Yeah, I do. he's transfixed. <laughs> that wasn't Tommy Lee Jones doing that. That was Tommy Jones playing a character saying that. He's just so much better. I mean, Bruce Greenwood is Did really it very really good. well though. <laughs> anyway, Tommy Lee Jones. Bye. So, yeah, good. What would you change then, Alex? Uh, <laughs> I'd change Tommy Lee Jones not being such an irredeemable bully at the start. <laughs> like, uh, and also slow this shit down. Like, let's see her try and get the info she needs while following the rules of the parole officer. I'd said that at the start. Um, also, have her escape from prison. You're already ripping off the fugitive, so up the stakes. It's not a parole officer chasing her, but the police. I find it weird that the police aren't chasing her at this yeah. point. It feels like really quite, it seems like her being on the run is quite low down the importance order when she is a convicted murderer mm -hmm. who is on the run and you want to see fleets of police cars and yeah. sirens and all the rest of it and not just Tommy Lee Jones shambling around with his hip flask going, <laughs> you've just seen this woman? Because it's just, it feels like she's always got the upper hand over him. Uh, also, the climax should be on a boat like at the start. Uh, because she knows how to sail and her husband doesn't. And she uses this to her advantage, turning suddenly so he falls overboard and drowns That's as she sails perfect. off. perfect, yeah. Of course. Just Why is it in an office? Go overboard. Yeah. Like what happened at the start. Yeah. Then I think I'd forgive them killing him as opposed to sending him oh, to jail. Agreed. agreed. I, either on a boat or at a fair or carnival. Like use the one from Sleep with the Enemy that, that got they wasted. Use it. Yeah. And that's literally my change because I, I agree with Alex that ending needed to be changed or up the ante and I'm happy with the boat one so I'm having that so, and also because they make the point of going he can't sail yes. and she can yeah, yeah. and it's just like well you've set up how this ends you need a boat with a cheese board and we'll be sorted yeah. <laughs> uh, mine is to settle in a bit more with Nick and Libby's marriage and their love story and it's perfect and then it's not it's just we're in and then she's in court. So, and a few more clues as to why he would go to these lengths to get rid of her. There are other ways you can get money. And maybe something about her, although it's very hard, but something about her that's presented as her being difficult, in quote marks, in the context of their marriage, but that's where her strength comes from. So actually, you've said it. That would be, if it was like a physical thing, she can sail and she's very insistent on sailing and he doesn't want to sail and then that's what she uses to kill him. Or if it's going to be an emotional thing, some bullshit, like, oh, she's very stubborn and he's like, do you know what? You're doing my head in now. And so you can sort of see why he would do this, but it's her resourcefulness and her stubbornness that saves the day and that's where she gets her strength from. I just don't understand why he hates her as much as he obviously does. Who? Nick, her, I think he hates her. her. husband. Why would you he's do fallen, that to He's fallen in love with her mate and he needs the money. He needs insurance money. Mm. He's he's in a, in, he's been backed into a corner and that's the... Sorry? <laughs> okay. What he does is completely normal. <laughs> no, it's not normal. It's crazy. But he's decided that 
I need to be out of this loveless marriage. Right. I want to go off with a mate and I need this money. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, yeah. He, who's the real victim? But you don't, I see. Yeah. You don't really, I, I see what you mean, though. Because No, never, he's not a victim. I'm just saying that justify that yeah. is how he's justifying it in his you head. Never feel, yeah. You never feel that it's a loveless marriage, though. No. I think that's what doesn't come across he's at the start. He's falling in love see... with her mate. No, he's playing an act then because that, that scene where it's the three of them, mm. that is a really creepy scene if you yeah. watch it from the perspective that he's with this other yeah. woman now. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, shall we tell her? Yeah, it's oh, you, <laughs> oh, horrible people. Yeah. Great. Verdict time. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. And so my choice was this week, which means, oh, I'll go last, I guess. Um, I'm going to go with Chris. I really enjoy Sleep With The Enemy in 1992, but I don't think it packs the punch that it did back then largely because I think we've seen it done loads of times since and I think we've seen it done better, that storyline. Double Jeopardy is much more of a romp um, that features actual twists and turns and the hero is proactive, which I think makes her a much more compelling protagonist. So no Jeopardy here. I'm actually going for Double Jeopardy as my winner. Okay, Double Jeopardy has won. Victoria. <laughs> I, thought, I did find this quite hard, actually. I, uh, I did find it quite hard and then I didn't. All right, so Sleeping With The Enemy has a much more engaging lead performance for me. Um, and the supporting man performance from Patrick Bergen is more memorable than Tommy Lee Jones, even though I just said I love Tommy Lee Jones and he is lots of fun. I do think the direction in Sleeping With The Enemy just needs to be a bit more energetic at points. Like the Bolt Storm, I thought looked laughably... Like I never felt that when she, the, when she's missing off the boat, it's like it's so obvious she's thrown herself off the boat. It's not even tipping that hard. Like it's probably just a budget thing, but they need a big fucking storm, and it's not there. And the fairground stuff, like he just stands there doing his rage face mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. And it's only ninety minutes, but it feels a lot longer. Weirdly, um, sleeping with the enemy, and you know why is that? So, but double jeopardy is not as clever as it should be. There's no sleuthing. We're just chasing. They miss a trick by not explaining why this marriage is in the state that it's in that would lead Bruce Greenwood to do what he does. But it is loads of fun. So what it comes down to is the characterization of Ben Woodward. It's not something I can comfortably watch at all. Uh, it's way off the mark. It's actually quite offensive. So I'm going to pick Double Jeopardy. We have a winner, Double <laughs> Jeopardy. So uh, for the record, uh, just to complete uh, the voting, um, I really enjoyed both of them actually quite a lot. They're stupid. Uh, <laughs> Uh, both benefit from great lead performances from Roberts and Judd, uh, which made me invested enough in their stories to forgive the utterly ridiculous elements of both. However, um, one of them has just... The ridiculousness is just too stupid. Like, weirdly, it's like Judd basically destroys vehicles, public property, and leaves a trail of carnage across America looking for her husband uh, is the problem with Double Jeopardy. Patrick Bergen is the Terminator, so that's the problem with sleeping with the enemy. But for some reason, and I think it's because it's a little bit older, I I just, and it's for the reason that you can't watch it, It's sleeping with the enemy is just so off kilter because of Kevin Anderson's performance as Ben that I found it insanely watchable. Because for the whole thing, I'm like, what is this guy? What is he meant to be? And I I absolutely, 100% enjoyed sleeping with the enemy more because of Patrick Bergen being the Terminator and Kevin Anderson <laughs> being just this insane character that I've never seen before think, in movies. Do you think you saw some of yourself in Ben? Maybe. I think that's what it was. I mean, I did used to be in West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> of 
all the show. things you can we love, say. You love apple pie. <laughs> love pie. You don't understand boundaries. And my catchphrase is harvest time. <laughs> so uh, maybe there's a little bit of me and Ben or Ben and me. I know I'd like that. <laughs> right then. So, uh, yeah, Sleeping with the Enemy would have been mine, but we got a winner. Double Jeopardy, congratulations. Right, let's look ahead to next week and uh, moving away from this craziness into your choices, Chris. A three-way or triple header, whichever you prefer. Yeah, I don't know. Anime demons or just a nice sentiment of three-way. <laughs> so, yeah, next week it's going to be uh, Guerrilla Warfare because uh, for episode one, Vicky... Uh, you're travelling back to 1968 for Planet of the Apes, which is on Disney+. Plus. I am doing the 2001 Planet of the Apes, which is on Disney+. Plus. And Alex, you are doing 2011's Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which is currently screening on Sky. <sighs> Amazing. We are going ape. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Right then, that is your homework. Uh, all three Planet of the Apes movie from... The first, the first, all three, the first of the franchise. Then the remake, then the reboot. Whatever, yep. whatever Chris said, yeah. Yeah, all right. I thought there was a really easy way to say it, but then I started speaking and there isn't. There isn't an easy way to say it. I just gave the years. Mm. I gave the years and the titles. All right, great. And I'm doing Rise, not Dawn. Oh, shh. Yeah, you are. Great, yeah. No, you're doing, yeah, you're doing Rise. I, I know, I know. I said it right. I know you said it right. They got them the wrong way around. Yes. They put Dawn after Rise. We've discussed this. I know, no, I'm just we'll talk checking. about it next week. All right, fine. Let's talk about it next week on the show. Right then, uh, so those are the movies. That's your homework. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. Back on Monday, talking 1968. Right. Man <laughs> <laughs> of the Apes. Waffle, waffle, waffle. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.